0: Some of you had nervous laughter as the other car pulled up. This has happened to you, huh? This is, this is your story. Um, but can we give them a hand? They have worked hard for the six weeks on those. Some of you are happy that the six weeks has come to an end so that you don't have to watch any more of those videos. Others are like, we want more. Bring them on. Um, hey, before we dive in this morning, I just want to pause and, and sincerely say thank you. Um, on behalf of the church and our community, and in particular myself, for um, the sacrifice that makes this even possible. That, that people have given their lives um, and sacrificed the most precious thing they have that we could sit here today. Um, it means a lot, and, and remembering that and not forgetting that uh, means even more. So, so thank you for Um, those that have gone on before. I mean, does it get any closer to the gospel that someone would give their life so others could have life? And and Memorial Day, that celebration of that and just um, just honoring those that have gone and actually given the highest price of giving their life, we we just want to say thank you this morning. So. Now for the worst transition ever elephants um but we are in week six it is the last week and if you haven't been here um elephants that the whole series is geared around there are conversations that need to be had that often don't get had And, and the goal of this whole series is not that this is the final word it's not that this is the like we're reaching a conclusion as much as our goal our heart is we just want to start a conversation we, we want a conversation to start here that continues in your life groups, that continues um, long after this series is gone. And, and, and so we've tackled different things this morning. We're going to dive into one that maybe is best explained by I have a four-year-old daughter who literally can turn into the Incredible Hulk on a dime. Um, she is the sweetest. You meet her. You will think she's the cutest. Um, you let that girl get hungry or you let her get tired. And there is an incredible Hulk inside of her that comes out like no other. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, like she, could, she has five blankets, right? She loves these blankets. She would, They go everywhere. Like, it's just her thing, right? She gets tired. I hate those blankets. You can give them away. That's cute at four. She's still doing that at 20. We're going, oh. That's still happening at 60. We're even more so. That's not cute anymore. You need to, you need to, and at 80, you really need, just need to stop. Like, like, but it, it wraps around this idea this morning of, of just like she can flip on a dime and anger can come out or selfishness or, um, these things where it's all about her, um, instantly come to the forefront. She uses phrases like, I want, I want, I want. Um, And we're going, you can't use that. You need to say, can I have, please, or stuff like that, right? But here's the thing. All of us, all of us were born with a propensity inside of us to become the Incredible Hulk. Like, you have an ugly side. You have a side that you don't want anybody to see. Um, you, You were born with a nature that goes, me first, you second. Um, you were born into a state of humanity that we don't have to go far, by the way, just go to Manchester um, this week, and, and we instantly get this idea that, that we're not okay. Humanity's not okay. We, we instantly get that inside of us, there's, there, there's this propensity to do horrific things if not unchecked, um, and, and you might be sitting here going, well, that's not me. That's, that's, I don't have a hulk inside of me. You have a lead foot, I bet, when it comes to the gas pedal. All right. Speed limit says 50 and you're at 51. That's still breaking the law. We know that, right? Um, th- th- we all have these things inside of us. We all have ways of describing that, that we would have our standards, whether you take them from scripture or not, you would have standards that you would say, um, this, is, this is when you are out of bounds. This is when you are missing the standards. This is when you, this is when this, and in your world, maybe if you're, if you're not a Bible person, you have standards that maybe were handed to you um, from your family or from your upbringing um, or just from the, the cultural setting you're in. And you have certain things that when people do, maybe yours is lying, right? Um, maybe you, you just cannot tolerate lying. And so that's your, that's your line. That's your standard. If somebody lies, they've, they've crossed over. May, maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's murder. Like, but somewhere you will have a standard that when that line is crossed, you would say that that person has done wrong right? Um, obviously the Bible, God has a lot to say about the best way to be human. And, and a lot of times when, when God's laying this down, they come out as commandments, right? And what he's saying is the best way to be human is to live by these things. And so he puts down standards like, you know, don't kill, don't covet your neighbor's wife. Like, don't, like, there's a whole list of them that, that are in there. Like, keep God first. Um, don't, don't, And he goes through, right? And then Jesus comes and he takes it to a whole nother standard. But what he's doing is he's giving us a standard, whereas we hit the mark that God sets before us. This morning, the conversation we want to have is wrapped around this term, three letter word called sin. And honestly, like this is not a trendy thing to do. Like if we're trying to be a trendy church, this is not a good topic to dive into, because right now, if you're, if you're on, the, on the side of we want to be trendy, we want to be culturally sensitive, we want to be whatever your language is for that, we redefine it. We use every other word other than the word that the Bible uses, which is sin. And so this morning, we just want to have an honest conversation. Like, if you walk out of here and you feel beat up, I didn't do my job. Okay? That is not the heart of this, this conversation. If you walk out of here and you feel like um, you were violated in some way, let me apologize up front. I miscommunicated. That is not the heart of this. What we want to do is we want to have a conversation recognizing that if we don't have a conversation about this thing called sin, it will destroy your life. And here's the thing. I, I can speak for every pastor on staff, every director on staff. Like, we are weary of conversations with people where sin has stolen part of their life. We are weary of watching families fall apart. We are weary of watching individuals who had an entire future in front of them. And on the, somewhere along the way, this thing called sin got in the way, and it, it, it's totally derailed their life. And so hear me well, like, like this conversation, it's one we have to have and, and it's one we have to begin to understand. So what I want to do, if you have a Bible, turn to Joshua chapter seven, Joshua chapter seven. And what I would love to do is kind of wrap just concepts of sin and what it is and how it plays out, wrap them inside of a story. Uh, and we started Chapter 6, remember, was the walls of Jericho, and we walked around those walls, and you just got to keep walking, because you don't know if you're on day 5 or 6, and we we talked about that whole victory that the Israelites had going into um, the city of Jericho. This story now comes on the heels of that, and what I want to do is just kind of walk through the story, and as we walk through, just grab principles, but do me a favor. Do me a favor. Don't leave before you get the end. Okay? Okay? So even if you're sitting and you're going, man, this this does not resonate with you, don't leave. Don't leave. Because where it wraps up, where it wraps up is victory. So hang with me. You ready? Chapter seven, verse one. But the Israelites were unfaithful. By the way, that word unfaithful is is the same language that it would use for a marriage. So, so that the anger that's displayed throughout this section by God, what the context to put it in is, is between a husband and wife. The, that one has been unfaithful, and, it, and it's the, the anger that builds up inside. That's kind of the picture that's given. They were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them, so the Lord's anger burned against who? Israel. Okay, first thing about sin. Sin is never just about you. Here's what I mean. Sin never affects just you. Okay, in this story, we're going to discover really quick, Achan is the one who actually committed the violation against God. So maybe a working definition up front is sin would be anything that violates kind of the code of conduct for life, the best way to be human, however you want to put that, the commands, whatever works in your world, that, that anything that violates those, what God has said, would be classified as you have missed the mark. You, you, have, you have sinned. And in this case, very specifically, Achan will find out has sinned against God. But here's the ramifications of it. The Israelites, God holds them all accountable because sin is always connected. Sin is never just you. You. You, you, you may think that when you have that conversation with just that one other person and you're talking about that person, that, that it's just you, but it's never just you. That, that when you told that lie to make that look better, that, that you need to know that's going to come back around and it's going to impact and hurt other people. That, that when you, and it's just you and your, your, your computer, it's not just you and your computer. There are people that get hurt. There are people that are tortured to make that moment happen for you. It's not just you. Sin is never just you. Sin is not an isolated thing. Sin always has ripple effects to others. This is why... This is why in a community where, where what we want to do is build family, this is why we have to have this conversation because, church, if we don't get a grasp on sin and what it is and what it does to us and, and, and how we've been set free, if we don't understand these concepts, then the problem is we will be enslaved to them and the cycle of destruction will continue on throughout the family of heights. And, man, I don't know about you, but I love you all too much to do that. And I hope you love each other too much to do that. I hope that you love your life groups too much to go, man, I'll let sin get in here. Because sin, sin, sin will, will destroy. It always impacts other people. Verse 2. Actually, we're going to jump to verse 20 because I want you to see. So, so basically, here's how it works, right? Verse 1 kind of defines it in big picture. Verse 20 is what actually happened, what the sin was. I want you to see that to lay the context to move on. Achan replied, It is true, I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. Next verse. When I saw the plunder, in the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. Okay, okay. what we need to know from chapter 6, chapter 6... Of, of Joshua was when they took Jericho right and when they were taking Jericho God goes don't take anything it's all mine you are not allowed to take anything from the city you have to devote it to the Lord right so they go up so they walk around the walls the walls fall down it makes a ramp they walk up in victory they get inside the city and somewhere in that Achan's walking around and Achan Achan's eyes catch something well that was shiny what was that and he does a head check, who's around, and he, and he goes across and, and, and begins to look further. And what he begins to find is a robe. And the, this robe, they believe, was, was from goes all the way back to the, the Tower of Babel in Genesis, right? That, that this robe was a beautifully um, ornate robe, and he takes it, which, first of all, where's he going to wear it? Right? Isn't it going to be a little obvious when you're the only dude in a robe? Just Maybe. And then the second thing is, is, is he somewhere in there, he begins to fill his pockets, his tunic, his whatever, right? Like maybe he all of a sudden gained a lot of weight, like six pounds worth of weight from silver and gold. But here's the thing. Where's he going to spend it? They're in the desert. They're in the wilderness. Like, like there is no circle K's going to, you know, there is no, like you, you can't, if he pulls out gold, people go, where'd you get gold from, bro? And so he hides them in the ground inside my tent. Sin always hides. You know what's crazy about sin? You'll always try and hide it. You'll, you'll always try to stuff it. You'll always try to, to, to get inside your tent and make sure it's under the ground. But here's, an, here's another thing about sin, because this, this doesn't make sense to me, right? Right? Sin changes your value system. Sin changes your value system. Here's what I mean. Like, like think about it. We we laugh, like where are you gonna wear a robe, where are you gonna spend your money? Like like we laugh about that, but here's the thing. Somewhere in his mind, that was worth risking the entire nation of Israel and his family for a little bit of gold, a little bit of silver, and a robe. Sin has a way of warping your value system. I just didn't let my eyes stop looking, and before you knew it, we were in a conversation. And before you knew it, I thought that if if I went with her, then well, it's just a fling. You ever you ever talk to someone who's on the backside of that fling, and they've lost their wife, their kids, and everything they care about, and they'll tell you every single time, "I don't know what I was thinking, and it wasn't worth it." Sin has a way of warping her value system. Of twisting it. So that's the context. The context is God, God's anger is burning against who? Against the nation of Israel because Achan had taken stuff and hid it in his tent. So next verse, back to verse two. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon the, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. So So basically what's happened, they walked around the the walls of Jericho, walls of Jericho fell, and now they're on their next their next adventure, and it's to the city of Ai, and Ai was believed to be in a, in a strategic position on a road that they would ha- they would be able to control the route, and so that's why they were going after this specific city. So Joshua goes, hey, let's send spies in, and, and so next verse, so spies went out. When they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it, and do not. Weary the whole army, for only a few people lived there. Next verse. So about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai. Next verse. Who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. So, So... they make a decision that we can take this town, but we don't need to send a whole bunch of people. We got this. And, and remember, the Lord's anger burned against who? All of Israel. Why? Because there was sin. You need, we need to know something about sin. Sin, sin always, always, always has to be paid for. Like, like sin has a price. The wages of sin is death, according to Romans, and sin always has a payday. Always. And in this context now, God's holiness, because sin and God cannot coexist because God is holy, his holiness is now burning going, I am not going to be with you until, until you take care of your sin. And so now they go up to fight. And when they go up to fight, what happens is they, they lose, right? How many people die, by the way? 36, okay, we'll come back to that. Thirty-six die, and because thirty-six of them died and they ran away, notice what it says at the bottom, the hearts of the people melted in fear. The last time in this book you saw melted with fear, it was in Joshua chapter two, where when they when the people in the land of Canaan heard about the Israelites and that God was with them, they melted in fear. The Canaanites melted in fear. Now it's the Israelites melting in fear because they lost the battle. Here's what I want you to get. Sin will... And before I say it, the Israelites had just defeated who? The Canaanites, right? Jericho. Just defeated them. Sin will always make you act like what you've already defeated. Sin, when it's in your life as a believer, will always make you act like what's already been defeated. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. Jesus, Jesus died on the cross... Paid for your sins, and he set you free from them, right? He set you free from that old life. The problem is, when you start to live in sin, it's like you act like this didn't happen, and I act like I was before Christ, and I make this, I act like that's not part of my life. By the way, who you are, who you are, is what you are supposed to live out. When you act because of sin, like someone who does not know Jesus, you act like what he's already defeated. Sin will always make you act like what's been defeated. It'll make you act like you don't know Jesus. And if sin goes unchecked, it won't be long. It won't be long till you don't want to be around anything that has Jesus. Because sin comes with a price. And sin will lead you away. Next verse. Then Joshua tore his clothes. So Joshua's the leader, remember? Tore his clothes and fell face down on the ground before the ark. So they got defeated. He's now tearing his clothes. He's on face down, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same and sprinkled dust on their head. This was the ancient ritual for mourning. They're doing what they should do. Next verse. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of Jordan. Next verse. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this. And they, they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your great name? Hold up. 36 people died. If you go go back into the book of Numbers, there's a figure given. There was over 600,000 fighting men in Israel. 600,000, right? 600,000 fighting men. They lost 36 of them. Later on in the next chapter, you find out that there was 12,000 men and women in Ai. 12,000. So 600,000 fighting men 12,000 total, right? In, in this, I'm not a military guy, but I will take those odds. I will send those 600,000 down there and we will win, right? Like this isn't a moment. Joshua's moment here is, is one that, that is caught up, caught up because the effects of sin in your life will always change your view of God. When there is sin in your life, It will change your view of God. And in this moment, he's going, what are we going to do? We're going to be wiped out. What are you going to do, God? What are you going to do, God? Because your name is at stake. I think God's name will be just fine. You ever ever been with someone who is is stuck in a sin cycle and they begin to talk about God? I, I just don't understand why God would abandon me. You know the cross is proof that God never abandoned anyone. Like the cross is proof that he is for you forever. But put somebody in sin and all of a sudden God is like this egotistical whatever like you you name the list that gets thrown against God, right? Why? Because because when sin enters sin changes my view of God because it's the only way I can justify the choice I'm making to sin. Sin, sin will always distort the view of him. And so in this context now, Joshua is like like panicking about God and God's God's going, I'm all right. Next verse. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Next verse. Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. Here's the laundry list now, right? God's going, okay, let me be really clear what's happened against me. Let me be really clear that I told you this, and you went here, and God equates it with what? Israel has sinned. And then he goes on to list out where where he's saying, this is what you violated. They have put them with their own possessions. Next verse. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Next verse. Go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against them. Your enemies You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. Next verse. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Next verse. Whoever is caught with the devoted thing shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and... Has done an outrageous thing in Israel next verse OK, so first of all, anyone in the room thankful that god doesn 't do that today <laughs> i 'd be dead um, we 're just going to call you out family by family um, we 'll do start with life groups, life group, group by life group and family by family and we 'll narrow it down, and they 'll be one. Um, But what it does do for me is this. God is really, really, really serious about sin. It's worth saying again. God is really, really serious about sin. And here's why the pause and saying it twice. Because sometimes we play like I can put my toe in the water and I will be fine. I can go over here for a little bit cuz I know how to get back over here. You need to know sin always gets paid for and sin sin is extremely serious to God. So serious that he would have an entire nation line up clan by clan and he would call them out and call them forward and he is going to take care of the one that stands in front. Sin is not, because of God's holiness, cannot exist where he exists. It has to be paid for. It has to come with the price tag. It has to get paid out the price tag that's on it. And in the Bible, according to the Bible, the wages of sin has always been what? Death. And so now he's going through and he's going, okay, we're going we're to go through this now. Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward tri- by tribes and Judah was chosen. Next. Next. The clans of Judah came forward and the Zerahites were chosen. He had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families and Zimri was chosen. Next verse. Joshua had his family come forward man by man and Achan son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was what? Chosen. Hang on a sec. But, But when he took them, it appears that no one saw him. And when he took them, it appears that he hid them where? In his tent under the ground. No one can see them. Maybe it's worth just pausing and making sure we get your sin isn't a secret. Like, well, you think it's a secret. It's not a secret to who? To God, because he's calling. And this isn't like a threat. This isn't like, oh, my gosh, like, like God's a peeping Tom. It's not that way. That the reality is that God cares so much that you need to understand that he searches high and low. Why? Because he wants the absolute best for who? For you. That God will not let you sit in a place of destruction. Why? Because he wants the absolute best for you. That God cares too much about you to leave you where you are. And in this case, he cares too much about his entire people to go, hey, this one who has sin in here, we got to deal with it. We got to take care of it. It's not okay. And so he calls him out, and he was chosen. Next verse. Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord The God of Israel, and honor him, tell me what you have done. Do not hide from me. You know what confession is, by the way? Confession is me telling the truth. The truth sets you what? Free. But but me telling the truth. And when I tell the truth, when I confess, what happens is, because the truth is of God, when I tell the truth and I confess my sin, it aligns me with whose view of the world? God's. All I'm doing is getting back in alignment with God and going, God, God, this, this is what I've been holding. This is what I do. I'm now confessing it and I'm aligning myself with your view of this, not this broken, distorted view of what I think sin is or how I think sin plays out and so on. So he says, confess, and in process, you will, you will glory, give glory to the Lord. Next verse. Achan replied, it is true. These are the verses we read earlier. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord. The God of Israel, this is what I have done. Next verse. When I saw the plunder, in the plunder, a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent. You need to understand something about sin's path. Sin has a path every single time. And I don't think it's by mistake that you'll find it three times throughout the Bible. The first time is with Adam and Eve. The second time is here. The third time is with David and Bathsheba. If you're familiar with that, David sees a lady on a rooftop. And and as he sees a lady on a rooftop, he covets her and, and he wants to take her. And he ends up taking her as his wife and killing the husband. Right? But it's the same pattern. When I saw somewhere along the way, Achan let his gaze stop too long. Achan let his gaze set on something. That's the first pathway of sin is, is it, it's your eyes. It's your eyes, it's your gaze, it's your soul as it, as it drifts and it grabs onto something. And then it says, I coveted them. That word coveted is actually, I desired them with everything within me. I desired them. It's actually worship language. We're supposed to desire God that way. What happens is his focus shifts and his focus goes to a robe and gold. And he goes, I just had to have, I coveted them. I wanted them with everything within me. So I went and I took them. Eve saw the fruit. And she saw that it was pleasing to the eye, and she what? She desired it, and she takes it, and she eats it. He sees, he covets, and he takes. David saw, he coveted, he wanted, and he took. The pathway of sin is not that complicated. Be careful what you let your gaze sit on. Be careful where you let your gaze stop. Next verse. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. Next verse. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Next verse. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of Acre. Next verse. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Next verse. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks. Remember rocks. Which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from what? His fierce anger. Man, I'm going to be real honest. This story does not make me comfortable. This story is not a trendy one. It doesn't make God... Look any different than what some people want to project them to be. But what I love about this story is how honest it is about the effects of sin and our God who is holy. The good news is God was holy holy then and he is holy now. And the beauty of this, the beauty of this is that his anger turned when, when the payment of sin, the wages of sin are death, when the payment was made and they were piling rocks on God's anger has been satisfied as holy, his holy, his wrath had been what satisfied and God's anger turns away. What I think God wants us to get is that sin is really, really, really serious to him that it really, really does matter to him. But what I want you to also get is a picture that comes out of this because it says that they heaped up a what? A large pile of rocks. One by one, rocks are being stacked over the bodies and over whatever else was there that had been burned over the ashes. And they're stacking rocks. And as they're stacking rocks, the wrath of God for the sin had been what? Satisfied. And then fast forward, because there's a rock that's really, really important to me and you. It's the rock that covered a tomb, remember? And when the rock covered the tomb... Guess what? The wrath of God towards you was satisfied. Why? Because Jesus stepped up and Jesus stood in your place because sin had to be paid for. Your mistakes, my mistakes, our failure to add up, it had to be paid for. And so Jesus, God himself, stretches out his arms and he dies for you, dies for me. Right? And when he dies for us, they put a rock over his tomb and God's wrath against you was satisfied once and for all. You are free because God took your place because God looked at sin and went, "I gotta pay for it, but I've gotta have them." And so I'm gonna step in their place. I'll take their punishment. I will take the wrath of God the Father on me, why? So that they, so that they don't have to sit under a pile of rocks and pay for it. I'll sit under the rock for them and pay for it. Romans chapter 5, verse 9, since we, we, that's, that's, that's those in the room, it's written to believers, those in the room that, man, I'm in, I'm following this Jesus, I, I put my faith in him. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to be rescued. I know I need to be saved. I'm going to trust him. Since we have now been justified, we've been made right, we've been been justified legally before him, right? We've been set free by his what? His blood. There was a penalty. There was a price. There was a price. There was a price for our freedom. How much more shall we be saved from what? God's wrath through him. Hey, church, really good news today. Really, really good news. You're not going to get called up line by line and clan by clan and family by family. You know why? Because Jesus already stood at the front of the line and went, take me. That turns us away from... God hasn't changed, by the way. God still hates sin. He cannot be around sin. That's why he had to change you completely. That's why when baptism is such a great picture, right? Because he buries you. And when he buries you with him, he nails your sins here. He buries you. And when you rise again, you rise to new life. You are a new creation. You are set free. And the wrath of God was satisfied on the person of Jesus Christ. Peter puts it this way. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Hey, church, what he's saying is don't conform. Remember that time when you hadn't been set free, when the only thing you could obey was yourself? He's going, going, hey, by the way, don't conform back to how you were before you knew Jesus. Don't conform back. Don't treat sin like it's nothing. Don't go back there. but just as he who called you is holy so be what holy in all you do you know as a community it's your sin should break our heart why cuz sin breaks the very heart of as a community what should we be known for we should be known for what man we are striving to be holy why cuz god is holy as as a community as a community what we should have our fingerprints when we reach out when we're in spaces guess what they know man we are broken over your sin but we love you immensely we love the person the sin part Church, we have to get a holy hatred for sin. Why? Because if we're ever going to be holy like our Father, we better start viewing sin for what it is. And sin always has a payday. It always has a price. For us, we need to cling to Jesus paid it. Let's leave it there. One more verse, we're out. He himself bore our sins in this body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for what? Righteousness by his wounds, you have been healed. You are healed, church, today. So let's not go back and live like we're wounded. We're healed today. You're free today. Don't go back and live under sin. You're dead to it. Dead to sin, alive to God. Free today. And so God, we come before you God, thank you that you have never changed. Thank you that not one minute you're mad and the next minute you're not. Thank you that your holiness has always remained the same and the price for sin has always remained the same. Thank you that you're not shifting and we can't figure out where you are. Thank you that, that God, you've been clear that you are holy. And sin is destructive. And sin hurts us and hurts others. God, I pray for those that are in the room this morning. And God, they're still in the tent. They don't think anybody can see them. They think that their sin is just their sin. God, would you speak to them this morning? Would you call them out of the tent? Just call them into the light of confession. Would they stand before you and confess, God? Would they be bold and stand before others and confess, God, that they would be free from what is holding them in bondage? Jesus has broken the chains. Would they feel that today? Would they know that today? God, for those in the room who have never trusted you, would today be their day of trust? Would they see you as the one who has taken their sin, who has rescued them? Would they see you as the God who showed up on their behalf, who came to the front of the line when they were standing there caught, and the God who stepped in and said, I will take it for them today? And then you bled out for us. God, for those in the room that they just need to be reminded today of who they really are so that they, they can live out the life that you've always intended, would you let them know they're free, they're dead to sin, they're raised to new life? God, thank you. Thank you for being a God who came close who walked among us, who died in our place and set us free. Thank you today. And everybody said, amen.